Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janus Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janus Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Jim Cramer. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready for trading a half hour from now. You can see we are looking up on all the major averages. Our roadmap this morning, it starts with what they're calling the new Intel CEO, Pat Gelsinger, doubling down on manufacturing, investing $20 billion in two new chip factories and claiming, quote, Intel is back. Plus, a big drop. You just heard Dom talking about it. GameStop shares going to be down. The company considering selling additional equity shares. Of course, cashing in on that incredible Reddit-fueled rally. And we're also going to have an exclusive with Adobe CEO Sean Narayan. That's a day after the company reported strong results and, more importantly, perhaps, increased its guidance. We're going to want to talk about. But let's uh, let's start off with Intel, Jim. You've been a critic uh, of the yes. company in the past. We've uh, talked a good deal about it, of course. In fact, we broke the news of Mr. Gelsinger's arrival right here uh, on this program at exactly this time. Not that many weeks ago, he is firmly in control now, setting a new plan, he says, and obviously investing a lot. They are going to be outsourcing more than they had in the past. But he says they're back. Do you agree? Well, I think, first of all, he's got some bravado. Uh, He certainly is making a statement. He is on uh, our network later today. Uh, There is a, let's say, a a, a kind of a level of excitement from a man who started at Intel uh, when he was 18. And he just did put on a great show. And the conference call was terrific. Do I think he got a free pass? Yes. Because in the end, he did guide below consensus. I think if you try to do what he wants to do with Taiwan Semi and build your own foundries and also use Taiwan Semi, Taiwan Semi will cut you off. I think that AMD has been lost in the shuffle, yet AMD is probably a couple years ahead of Intel. But I would do this. I would say this. If I were Pat and I wanted to come in hot and I wanted to make a statement both to my customers but also internally and then, of course, to Wall Street, I would do just what he did and I congratulate him. But I still say that be careful because in the end, David, when you report and your numbers are below consensus, and he said it, by the way, in what is the hottest market I've ever seen for PCs, I call into question how much you can change in a month. I mean, David, this, this is a battleship. And in one month, all these things happened. So I think we have to be a little more, uh, let's say, nuanced. Uh, and I, I applaud what he's doing. But I also want to warn people who love the stock that it is very difficult to turn around Intel in just no. The very short so, time that you, got you here. pointed out, and it's true, and they will admit it as well. These are long term. These oh. are changes that have long term implications, and and not necessarily things that really will affect the short term. Let's take a listen to what Gelsinger had to say on the conference call last night. Intel is back, right? You know, this is the old Intel is now the new Intel as we look to the future. You know, we are excited for the things that we are laying out. Uh, you know. 
I see a, a note here from Baird this morning, though, that says Intel is going back to its core manufacturing roots, leveraging its manufacturing expertise, both for internal production and foundry services. You don't agree? Well, no, I, look, they do have someone who is terrific that can, uh, they call him Kojak, uh, Randrew Thacker, who, who will do a good job. But, David, $20 billion for two new fabs. Yep that don't come online until 2024, right. is that really a threat to AMD? I say no. Is talk cheap? I think that uh, Pat laid out a great roadmap. I think he is terrific. Boy, what a change in pace from the previous CEO. But I also know there are one, we call it 1.5 nodes behind uh, AMD. And the, I think the most important thing, David, yeah. is just understand that as exciting as it is to be building these fabs in Arizona, Intel's tried that before, and it hasn't worked. They have to go back to the roots as being what I thought in the 90s is the greatest manufacturer in the world, early 2000s, too. But the good thing is Pat was there, and he understands what that's going to be no like. No doubt. So, You've been a champion of AMD, as I pointed out many times well, for years look, now. Starting at five. Right. And it's I got been, off the Intel horse. It has been one of the, one of the best calls that you have Thank had, you. Jim, and you've been consistent in it. Uh, you know, I'm looking again at this Baird report, though. Difficult to see how AMD shares can outperform a current multiple as investors assess Intel's renewed execution. AMD remains a successful yet number two player. We doubt AMD will be able to exceed 20% market share in data center, while Intel is already coming back in PCs and emerging <laughs> as a competitor to TSMC. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. Lisa Sue, has, uh, she has a lead. Her, her most recent statements and the most recent conference call showed that she's become partners with a lot of companies that I never thought she'd partner with. And I really think that we have to start recentering on the idea that Pat is a great showman. I mean, when he comes on today, you are going to hear that Intel's back to the days of Andy Grove. And I wish that were the case. It, Intel's not back that fast. I mean, Mr. Swan ran the company. He didn't run into the ground. But, you know, when you get a new CEO, you get a lot of excitement. But this is a very big turn that has to happen over multiple years. And, in, right. in, in, and then you know, what are look, um, AMD's got Genoa. It is so far ahead of Intel. Real quick before I, I want to move away from this for a second stand, Chip. Though, uh, because the chip supply or the lack thereof, this is a story every single day, Jim. Well, how are they going? You now, think by the way, it's not, it's not related to Intel, but you know, at all. But no, but but, but it is a broader story. And when we come up, obviously, we hear Philabo reporting on it from the auto industry, but it affects even more than that. Lamb research, okay, applied materials, uh, KLA. But do they just yeah. suddenly have us? These are the capital equipment companies. Yep. Do they suddenly mention ASMLF in the conference call? But do they suddenly have machines for him when everybody is back ordered? No. And I think that someone should ask Pat, hey, do you really have the machines? Do you have, is, are, are, are they going to jump the queue? Yeah. At, uh, at, ahead of Taiwan Semi for the uh, machines that come from Lamb. Yeah. And David, here's something. Please, if you're what? going up and saying, listen, we're going to use Taiwan Semi, but look out, we're going to compete against Taiwan Semi. <laughs> Is Taiwan Semi going to drop AMD? They go, Lisa Sue, hey, listen, we're dropping you for about nine months, and then we're going to come back to you when Pat competes against us? That's not the way this business works. I know. I salute Pat, but I'm just saying, let's just be a little more circumspect. And, and and, and that is fine. Well, listen, we look forward to seeing that interview uh, on uh, on Squawk Alley. Am I breaking the orthodox? Look, I'm no, just... well, you're not breaking anything. It's OK. I want to talk about GameStop. Um, 
because right. I want to get That's leave us time to talk about SPACs in a bit. But right. let's talk about GameStop. It's down 11 percent. Uh, reported earnings. Um, you know, what I found so interesting is some of the research, the analysts. It just fascinates me watching well, them try to sort of make sense of it all. And I'll, I'll share with you, we put together quickly here two, yes, yes, yes. two different excerpts from two different reports, one from Jeffries and one from Wedbush. So here's Wedbush. Our new price target is based upon a 20 times PE multiple applied to our newly initiated 23 estimate, plus an estimated roughly $4 per share in net cash by the end. Of, uh, of first quarter 21. So their price target actually goes from 29 to 16. Uh, and they point out, by the way, that, you know. 16 to 29. Yeah. They, no, no, no. 29 to Sorry. We're raising our 12 month price target yes. to 29 sorry. to 16. Right. They downgrade the stock and raise right. the price target. I, you're, uh, thank you well, for David, the stock is at 16. Oh, it's at 160. <laughs> yeah. They say, listen, the fundamentals, we believe investors expecting a financial return can, you know, that the, the, the uh, buyers are prepared to pay in the open market. That, that price vastly exceeds the fundamental value we believe investors can expect. But at the same time, Jim, you got Jeffries this morning just totally revamping the way they. The way they uh, value the company. We're right. pivoting, they say. We're pivoting, right, pivoting to a sales multiple. So we assume e-commerce grows at 50 percent uh, uh, of 2020 store sales transfer, applying a 20 percent discount. Sorry about the typo there. We were moving fast here to digital peers in the four to five range. Three point four times we get to one seventy five. I know. I mean, what are you supposed to do with this stuff? Well, okay. so I tried to read it without the the call, without the context of the stock. And they are doing so many things right. Listen up, Web, WSB, Reddit, meme people. They did a lot of good stuff. They've moved aggressively into e-com. They did a really good job. It's obvious that uh, that Ryan uh, Cohen is the savior. Twenty nine percent of sales. That's up one hundred ninety one percent for e-com. They Cut the expenses. They're closing the stores that aren't working. Of course, that's called de-densifying, David. Oh, I love that, that new yeah, term. De- yeah, de-densifying. Denci- well, learning a new term every day. Our comp store sales are down 9.5%. We're de-densifying. Okay. Right. And uh, Jenna Owens, hey, David, a pickup from Amazon and Alphabet. Mm-hmm. So everything here is positive, And I can see why people shouldn't have shorted it at 15 bucks. Yes, you can see why. Listen, it's been up here for a long time. Now, Jim, what about the potential for an equity offering? Well, they did say, listen, they could do at the money or they could do an equity offering. Yeah. They at least put it out at there. the market. Yeah. Um, Kurt Wolf, a strategic planner, he did an equity offering of his common stock in January. Mm. A lot of it. Now, he said you know, a lot of people say, well, listen, it's just a fraction. But he did raise, I don't know, he did substantial number of shares Took there, $21 it, right? million dollars worth, yeah. went right when he had seen the Jan- half of the January numbers. Uh, and I think he just felt, well, look at night. You, you say he's a dope. He sold some at 31 uh, on January 13th. He looked at the numbers, and I think 31 is he probably got, got to 31. And I think he, who's going to remember the strategic well, plan, he thought 31 was high. He did. I know. Well, listen, this analyst at Wedbush says it's important to note since George Sherman arrived as CEO in mid-2019, the company's net losses have exceeded $200 million. Right. So the financial engineering accomplished during Sherman's tenure is a testament to his leadership and to the acumen as well of uh, the departing CEO, right. CFO, Jim Bell. Uh, I think that you said something very funny. The analyst. You see the analyst is? No. Who? Michael Pack. Oh, yeah. What's he think about Michael the Netflix Pactor. there? That's the Netflix <laughs> that going there. little <laughs> Yeah, he's got a, a, a bit. Maybe same, we go with the other guy at 175. Same store, oh, same store sales. We're up 6.5. Stop the music, for heaven's sake. No, no, we got to do the stuff music. Stop in the market. We got, and play music? Yeah, because we got a lot to talk about about SPACs. Um, well, 
because that's I, an important I part of this market. And I didn't get to talk about how great the window the seems Ryan to be closing. No, you didn't. Collins. You didn't. You're done. It's enough. It's it enough WSB, of that GameStop. David, In fact, funny. get ready for uh, Shant Noonarine because he's going to be joining us. Of course, he's this is CEO GameStop. Of Adobe. talking about a stock. We're going Shant Noonarine. We talked enough about GameStop. We're going to take a quick break right. here. Talk SPACs. There's a lot of stocks there, not just one. A lot. All right. All right. All right, Mr. Negative. Yeah, I'm not negative. I'm just trying to keep us on time here. I was negative on Intel. Yeah, you were great. You did great. (laughs) Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva! This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Spacs. Yeah. Guys, we're going to lead in with Barry Sternlich sound, remember? So mm-hmm. let's take a listen to Barry Sternlich. He was on Squawk Box earlier talking, of course, about their latest Jaws Spitfire SPAC. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. Didn't do too much, but Mr. Sternlich had some interesting things to say about the due diligence process for SPACs that are looking for deals and how competitive it's become. You can't compete against stupidity. We lost uh, several companies um, the weeks before. One in particular where the we wanted to do, you know, 60 days due diligence and the competitors said they do three days due diligence. I'm like, I can't compete against that. I'm not going to do that. It's a little out of control. No, it's a lot out of control. Don't expect Wall Street to uh, regulate the launch of SPACs. They're making too much money. And they'll, if you can walk, you can do a SPAC. You know, most of these companies have been uh, theoretical companies. They have they make no money today. And hopefully in five years, they're making eight billion dollars. This is a guy who's done, what, I think six of them, Jim. But, you know, Sternlicht always gives you a great quote. Uh, he's obviously talking about the, uh, the, the SPACs that have gone public that are looking for deals, competing for transactions, how he wanted to take more time, obviously, for due diligence, and what may be a lacking process of due diligence for certain SPAC sponsors. But, Jim, I also want to take a look at, as we take a look at the CNBC SPAC 50, there is now piling up a bunch of SPACs that have filed to go public, but have not yet done so. And that window is closing um, because things you've got 10 trading below 10 bucks a share. Right. Again, these are they've gone public, but they haven't yet announced their deal. Remember, 289 SPAC IPOs raising 93 billion looking for deals. Uh, and then you've got a bunch that have filed, Jim, that have yet to go public. And that's where I think we need to focus, because you're not going to see you're not going to see 10, 12 price in a day. That's that is over because these things are not moving up anymore at all. In fact, some of them are actually trading below 10 right away. Well, it, it, Barry, that was a great interview. 
Barry went on and on with some really interesting stuff, talking about the customers are going to be exerting the discipline. I, I really urge people, they can. I don't even get a copy of the interview. But one of the things, that he, the point that he made, David, is, is that they're good and bad. And yes. uh, I, I follow Barry really closely. When uh, Starwood Property Trust was down big, what did he do? He came on Mad Money, and he said not to worry. Things are fine. It was exactly right. The stock took off. I think that you and I both know he's a rigorous person. He does a lot of due diligence. He's just not putting his name on anything. At the same time, he really did savage. He savaged what I call the industry. And he even said there are bucket shops that are doing deals. And he did indicate that this is uh, got to end soon. Yeah. I, I think that there are good and bad ones. As there always will be. And yes. you're right. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't believe, you know, based on numerous conversations with so many different players in this market, it's not going to disappear, Jim. It's going to no. be with us. We'll be talking about SPACs. It will always represent a new or different way to go public for many companies. Um, particularly ones that may be a bit more speculative or a little earlier in their gestation than we're accustomed to. But we're not. This tsunami may be finally coming to an end. Uh, I'm calling it a spack out. Like, you know, like blackout, you know, kind of blackout. Great. That is so good. Thank you. I like I was very proud of that. Yeah. Wow. Spack out. Yeah. Spack out. Better than spack attack. So we're really right. I mean, we may see one or two or three we may, but you're not going to see this avalanche any longer. And the ones that are below 10 for now, don't you get 10 bucks? Don't you arbitrage that one? You do. You can arb arb that you can because you either get 10 bucks if you redeem or if they don't do a deal, it's it's there. So the uh, right. I mean, it's time value money and those things. But yeah. They're trading nine ninety. You can kind of try and lock in nine cents. Right. Well, they've gone to eight dollars the last time that there was an overload, and so you. Those but not are, ones. I don't believe ones that have yet to do their deal. Right, right, right. And I, I look. I want to point out, David. If you go over what he's saying, point blank, he, he, he is saying that there's just a lot of companies that are. I, he, I'm going to use the word worthless. Yeah. Well, listen, we go through the presentations and we look at the projections. Many of them are based on 2025 or 26 revenues and or sometimes EBITDA. And the multiples are fairly high. Some are going to win, though. I mean, all you need is one big winner. If you go, you know, out of 10, if you get get a 10 bagger. uh, So who knows, Jim? Maybe do what we call field bet when we go to play the ponies. But this is starting to at least again, it's going to be with us for good. We're going to be talking about it. But this this great moment we've gone through, or 291, or whatever that number was, 289 SPAC IPOs in, what, a little more than two and a half months, that is going to slow down. Dramatically. Yeah, I, I think that we're going to look at this day and uh, go back and look at Sternlich's interview and say it really was the SPAC out. Your SPAC out comment, his comments, uh, they're beginning to see some uh, secondaries, some, uh, we also have some primaries. Uh, QuantumScape, which is the one that you isolated, they did a right. big deal last night. Yep. They got the money. They got And that. that means they could charge ahead. And that's been a great one. And, At 57, uh, that's still great. an incredible win. And for the sponsors there, oh my God, they're printing money. And, and let's not forget, and that's, that's behind all of this. But you money, are so money, right. money. You are good. The SPAC out. You like that? No, I love it. (laughs) All right. We got nothing but love for each other. We got a mad dash coming up as well. And don't forget, opening bell 10 minutes from now. Stay with us on Squawk in the Street. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. 
Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com designed for work. You know, it's hump day. Just want to let you know. Oh, and we're standing again. We're not the NYC, but at so least we're great. standing. So great. We're doing a mad dash. Yeah. Wednesday, close, of course. Not, what clo- we, not we like. too close. No, not too close. But we're getting closer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, General Mills. Okay, so David, what we're trying to monitor right now are companies that did incredibly well during the lockdown. All right. And one of them that did very well was General Mills, because this is an ultimate pantry stock. Uh, But, David, they announced today they see organic growth only at three point five percent. Now, they are going back with the repurchase. I really like that. Uh, But, David, there's deceleration here. Uh, They had eight eight percent increase in sales. Operating profit was very good. I love the fact that you're going to start talking about dividend increase. That's what you used to like about General Mills. But, David, the thing that I point out is that, once again, if you're buying what worked, it's not yeah. working. And so you, do you believe a potentially 4% uh, decline when we get started with trading a few minutes from now is justified? Well, I look at Clorox. I mean, I look at Kellogg. These stop. But then again, PepsiCo is up, up uh, seven points this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted a little bit better from General Mills. I wanted a little better guidance. I, I just pointed out because those who go at home, look through your portfolio. If you have something that was a big win, you're going to have to reconsider because we're going to have Adobe on later. That's an example of a big win that then became a continued big. Is that picture of me? No, <laughs> no it's I'm Jeff not Harmoning. Running. I'm not running. General He's Mills. coming on today at three o'clock Jesus. with Sarah and Wilf. Well, I, that has to stop. I mean, I want to be one with him, and it'll be like, you know, which one of us is talking? they got to ask him about this uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch uh, thing. I don't well, know if you've been I following just, it on Twitter. No, I, some I just— Some guy found some weird stuff in a box. Well, I hope they—jeez. <laughs> but anyway, it's a great company. It's a great American company. But yeah. I'm really using it as a paradigm for a Zoom, a General Mills, a DocuSign. Who has— the ability to be able to go through, like Amazon, very positive note about Amazon today, and capitalize off of what happened versus who is, ah, wow, that was just that moment in time. Campbell's has got that same problem, very well run. Hershey, not as much because cocoa prices haven't gone up. All right. Opening bell after this. About two and a half minutes before we get started with trading. Uh, let's uh, go over to Jim here. It's one I like to ask, of course, these uh, mornings when Carl is out. What is the key to this market, Mr. Kramer? David, do you remember when your kids were little and they were scared of Cruella DeVille? Yes. I think that others should be scared of Cruella DeVille because Disney is just going all Disney+. Plus. I mean, they are really pushing this. And uh, so you're going to get uh, a Black Widow. Okay, which is going to be and that's a very important movie. Yep. And you're going to get Cru- Cruella. I regard this that uh, Black Widow's pushed back to July 9. Right. But I think this is just fantastic for Disney Plus. They're basically winning the tug of war with some of what I regard as these marginal companies that are in that are in the theatrical business. And David, it's something to watch because we have a big offering in Viacom. Today, it's going to be price without but, a doubt. Well, but, you know, we should make sure people understand they're going sure. to be re- again re- releasing Cruella and Black Widow on the same day that they're in movie theaters. So right. no window again, similar to what they did. Well, actually, that Pixar movie that they released, I don't believe there were movie theaters open at the time or not many. Right. Um, but this is a new this is just the new 
normal. Right. Okay. And we don't know what they'll charge for them. Right. For Disney Plus. Right. But one more reason to be to own Disney. And, I, you know, this Chapek, you know, David, they are really doing this thing right. And I, if I were in, if I were Adam Aaron, I'd like to get Adam on the phone or have him on AMC. And I'm sure, look, Adam's doing his best to get things open. But I have to tell you, Disney Plus, a lot of people, there's a 70-inch screen TV that's been in the hall next to me for too long yep. at our office here. And I'll tell you, I would much rather have that with some natural popcorn, not that stuff that has the faux butter. Sit back. Uh, a, a Diet Coke that cost me 32 cents rather than $32, and I'm watching home. So that's the real competition. We all got the big screen TVs. We do. I'll take that 70-inch screen home if, I don't, if someone doesn't clean up our hall. Um, yeah, we got a bunch of TVs around this place. It's kind of not unexpected. By the way, WandaVision, I don't know if you watched it. It was great. WandaVision? Yeah. I'm watching that Bosch show on, on Disney Plus. Yeah. Catching up. Really enjoyed it. All right, we're going to tell you who was doing the ringing here at the big board. Digital Ocean celebrating its IPO today. We're going to speak with the CEO. It's a cloud computing company. Uh, they'll be uh, speaking to the, uh, the guys in Squawk Alley. Over at the NASDAQ, another IPO, ACV Auctions. That's an online marketplace for auctioning used cars. Wow. Okay. As we watch the uh, real-time exchange right back here at our headquarters. Where's all the all money coming years from? The saying back stuff. there at headquarters. Now we're here at. Where is the money going to come from when we get that a deal too far? Kind of like a bridge too far. What do you mean? Well, I mean we're going to have a bridge too far. Are you, do you know where uh, Gene Hackman was the Polish Army? Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Where is the money going? What are you talking? At a about? certain point, there'll be too many deals. A marginal deal will come, yeah. and it will go below the bid, and then another will go below. Then there'll be five oh. Chinese companies that go below the bid, oh, and I then see. there'll You're be secondaries galore. Right. And yeah. we're going to get back, David, to what you and I know is IPO hell. Well, you don't, not just back out. You don't do them. That's all. You just don't do it if the demand's not there. You don't do them. They sit on the shelf. Well, do you think the SPACs will stop? I mean, these SPACs. I think they're going to slow down. We were talking about that for for uh, just a little while ago. Yes, I. It seems as though, based on conversations with participants in that marketplace and the bankers who bring them public, that there is going to likely be a slowdown if, in fact, you continue to see a number of SPAC IPOs trade at or below the $10 price. Well, I just see this. And because you're not going to get as much demand. Right. The demand has been there. Now, remember, they're 215 million bucks or 300 million. They're not enormous. As you take a look at our SPAC 50, by the way, that is SPACs that have price, but have not done their deal. Then we've got an index of those that have announced a deal. And that's a different that's post there is that there's that one post deal. And then when they do it, when they close the deal, then they're not SPACs anymore. A la QuantumScape, what you were talking about, but, which is issuing stock. But it's not a SPAC anymore. It's just a company. We have to watch. I mean, look, Apple, very positive note out today. The stock's doing nothing. Right. Adobe, really fabulous quarter. Fantastic guidance. Stock's doing nothing. Yep. Intel's up on a lot of uh, hope. Notice I didn't say hype. Viacom's out there with a the gigantic deal. Well, I mean, I don't know. Viacom down, as you pointed out, for the right. second day. It was down yesterday. They're raising $3 billion, something that we were talking about they would likely uh, should probably do. And it's going to help them for streaming. You were just talking about Disney. The, you know, the cost of these streaming services is enormous. Let's not forget, Disney's Huge. not going to break even on it till when? 2024, right? So, right. I still hope they'll pull that forward. But yeah, yeah, they might. But the cost is enormous. And when you're a Viacom and you're potentially doing things for your own, for Paramount Plus, as opposed to selling them, I mean, there's, there's cost there. And so they're raising $3 billion. 
Uh, two billion common, right. one billion of preferred, um, and the stock's getting hit off the second right. day. That's but, why uh, look, what, what has staying power? Okay, Lamb Research is going to have staying power, uh, yeah. Five Materials, KLA, right. because there's Pat Gelsinger saying, listen, we're going to build foundries. And, yep. But you're not, again, those companies are backordered tremendously. I am just saying, be careful here. There's some really good companies whose stocks should be up right now. And I think a lot of it is because there's too many companies and not uh, enough buyers. Too many companies, not enough buyers. What's happening right now? Today's the day. I mean, there's positive no Tesla. It's barely, you know, David, the SPAC out. Does that have a does that have an implication more broadly for the for the overall stock market, though, Jim? Or is it just going to be this pocket of new issues? No, I think there's going to have to be some discipline here. And uh, there were some good articles about how where are the the stimmies? What happened to the stimmies? You get the stimulus check, the younger people, you got a Robin Hood deal. Now, David, the Robin Hood deal, is that a deal that you can't wait for if you're an investor? Wow, I got to get on some Robin Hood, even though it looks like the Robin Hood, the people who are buying Robin Hood just got game stopped. (laughs) You know, listen, what Robin Hood went through. And the, what was it, three billion they had to raise in additional capital over a weekend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it does make you question or hope that they've got their business model intact and, right. and or have changed it enough to uh, so that they're in a position to be able to weather any storm that might come at them, unexpected as it might have been. Of course, which we never could have anticipated the events of that week. Right, but look, I want to watch the Nasdaq more than I want to watch the industrials because I think mm-hmm. the industrials, the money goes back to the industrials. Uh, the money goes back. I mean, look, here, look. I, I don't want to be too negative. Estee Water got upgraded, and it was just talking about how China might, might be good, and the stock is flying. It's just that I'm more worried about the concentration in tech because there's just so many tech deals. Um, speaking of tech deals, what, I got? did want to. Uh, uh, I P H I is the symbol. What, the Infi, the deal that Marvell finished? I thought that was amazing that Marvell uh, got that. Marv and the Chinese approved it. Wasn't that incredible? Yeah, the Chinese antitrust regulators approve it. I think they're the special meetings on the 15th of April, so it'll close fairly soon. Stock is up 7%. Uh, symbol there is IPHI. Pretty big deal for Marvell. And again, it's, it's that China approval, Jim, that, that perhaps got some people's attention because it was not expected, at least not in that time frame, and they got it. Now, AMAT's still waiting on one that they've been waiting a long time on. We know this is an important component of M&A, getting that China approval. You can go through any number of names where it's an important part of the process, and there's still questions. So this one is interesting. Yes. Is it a one-off? Is it sort of, hey, you know, or does it mean something? No, it's not one-off because Marvell Technology is a leader in 5G. And, of course, the United States has been very, very tough on China 5G with Huawei. I wonder if, David, I'm going to use the term olive branch, if this isn't the beginning of what I regard as a thawing of commerce, that the Chinese were saber rattling for home, uh, Biden saber rattling for home. But the fact that they let this deal through, David, I think is significant when it comes to geopolitical discussions. It should have been turned out. The old it, under President Trump, this would have been turned out. You think so? Absolutely. Uh, no, I well, know so. Then it is going to be taken, generally speaking, as a positive okay. uh, by those who are pursuing deals that will require Chinese approval. But, uh, uh, you know, getting insight into that process is a very difficult thing. Jim. It sure is. All right. Well, let's talk about a company that had just a remarkable quarter, which to me is putting some pressure on the market because it's it's magnificent. Adobe announcing fiscal first quarter results that just crushed expectations. And more importantly, they saw fiscal guide. They raised financial guidance 
guidance after the first quarter. That's very interesting for a company that's incredibly conservative. So joining us now in a CBC exclusive is the chairman and CEO of Adobe. That's Shantanu Narayan, who is a titan. Shantanu, congratulations on just a monster quarter. You really blew out the numbers. Thank you, Jim, and it's always great to be back on your show, and you're right. I mean, uh, when we talk about what's happened in this world and moving from where digital was part of it to a digital-only world, I think all three of our businesses did exceedingly well. I absolutely love what you talked about many times on the conference call, which I urge people, if you buy Adobe, you got to listen. Digital is mission critical, not nice to have. Big change. It really is. I mean, if you think about the fact that it's only been a year uh, since the pandemic and how the world has completely pivoted uh, to engaging digitally. And so whether you're an enterprise wanting to acquire or service customers, whether you're an educational institution trying to uh, educate, whether you're an entertainment company trying to entertain, I think the future of work, learn, play is all going to be just digital. And that's where I think, uh, you know, we have these unique uh, opportunities to continue to uh, invest in innovation and deliver great value. I I want people to know there are three important clouds here. There's a creative, there's document, there's experience. Every one of them was better than expected. And the one, I know maybe it's short-sighted, but you you know, Shantanu, when creative was only 19, some of these analysts went nuts, and you're back to 20. But the most important thing, I think, is, is that you are so optimistic for the future for all three of those clouds. Well, if you think about creative, uh, Jim, we've always said everybody has a story to tell. And if you think about the fact that all these mobile devices are not just consumption devices, they're creation devices. You see what's happening with uh, immersive media. I mean, think about it. We used to be able to do live photo shoots. And now all of those live photo shoots, if you're trying to make films, is all happening digitally. Uh, if you're a K-12 through student who's trying to... Uh, you know, create a book report that has to be done digitally and collaboration is underlying all of that. And so I think on the creative side, we just look at it and say it's the golden age of design, uh, whether you're interacting on a mobile app, whether you're interacting uh, in a physical store uh, on a particular screen, whether you're in a car. And so that's where we are the platform of choice. Um, Certainly stock as a service has also done well. On the document side, uh, Jim, as you know, I mean, Everybody is saying we cannot be in a physical location, so we have to electronically sign things. Our sign business grew 50% uh, year over year because it enables you to automate that last mile. And then on the powering digital businesses, as we've touched upon uh, so many times, uh, it really is about if you can't deliver that personalized experience in the last millisecond, uh, you know, customers have such zero tolerance uh, for a bad experience right now. You are also, I think, king of trying to figure out where digital is. You have Adobe Digital Index, which I have used because it's been the most rigorous. And you are forecasting some terrific numbers. Uh, for first trillion dollar year in e-commerce coming? We think so. Uh, and you're right. I mean, the fact that we have uh, our pulse on what people are trying to do with all of their digital storefronts, what's happening on commerce, Uh, Where are people's sentiment in terms of, you know, what's hot and what's not? And you're right. The Adobe Digital Index predicts that next year is going to be the first trillion year in commerce. And I don't think there's any looking back because we have made this shift and, you know, the world's moved to a digital first world. And I, I think 
consumers are recognizing how wonderful that is. So yeah, we, we just continue to think that everything is going to be procured uh, digitally. Shantanu, it's David Faber. As one of the largest players in the so-called creator economy, you know, I wonder, do you see Adobe playing an important role in NFTs? If, in fact, you actually think that's a real thing or perhaps you don't. But I'd love to get your opinion. Well, David, it's actually been interesting because uh, some of this NFT stuff that's been done has been done using our tools. And, you know, it's been nice to see the tweets. Uh, We've always taken the approach, David, that our job is enabling that for others. And so, you know, when we talk about creative cloud, uh, David, it's the one stop shop from inspiration to monetization. But we've never been in the content creation business ourselves. And I think digital and some of the works that are being created digitally in the NFTs are just truly spectacular. So uh, you're the expert on what the appropriate valuation for that is. But I think the trend in terms of recognizing that digital art uh, is really special and has value. I think we're going to see that trend continue. Uh, And another thing that we talk a lot about here, I'd love to get your take on is SPACs. And I ask that because Adobe, like a lot of companies, uh, does smaller uh, private company acquisitions. And I wonder, has that market uh, and the enthusiasm that those private companies are meeting in the SPAC world, has that precluded your ability to actually perhaps buy companies you otherwise might have given their valuations are soaring? I think if you take the big picture on this, David, I mean, it's clear that there's so much money in the system uh, that people are finding very, very different financial instruments uh, by which they can uh, buy companies. And I I think the the really good companies, there'll always be a market for them. There'll always be the appropriate valuation. But I do think there's an element of people are able to raise all of this money. Unless you find great companies to buy, uh, how do you put that money to good use? I think as it relates to Adobe, I mean, we're always looking at it when we buy companies uh, in terms of being able to say, uh, do we have a shared vision and can we help scale that business? So we just acquired Workfront, Workfront, which is in marketing workflow, uh, had a really great quarter. And so we actually don't worry about the fact that we will be able to acquire the right assets uh, because we do have the capital, but we will be disciplined, uh, David. And if there's frothiness in the market, we're willing to you know, let that play out uh, because I, I think at the end of the day, real companies will uh, you know, find a way uh, to break through the clutter. Right, so, Sean, every time that you do a comms call, I learn something new. Uh, also, when you do your uh, giant fest, I learned something new. I remember you inter- introduced Sensei on Mad Money. But now I feel just bereft because how do I not know liquid mode? You're telling us we're all using liquid mode. Could you describe what we're all using? Because I better get on it. Well, you know, what's happened, Jim, is uh, mobile is where everybody is accessing all this information. And as uh, you know, there are trillions of PDFs out there. So, you know, our researchers said, how do we understand every single PDF that was ever created? And this is a PDF that might have been created uh, 20 years ago where we don't know what the structure was. Was it a table? Was it a uh, Excel spreadsheet? What liquid mode allows you to do on a mobile device is to say by clicking on a PDF and the liquid mode uh, approach, it actually completely makes it responsive. We go in there, we analyze the structure, we understand the semantic usage of what the author was intending to do. And I think the experience is, is incredible. I was on the road, I was actually traveling in India, Jim, and our entire uh, earnings prep we did, uh, you know, with me on a small phone with low bandwidth. 
and liquid mode changed my life. And so, uh, you know, when you're trying to fill out a form on a mobile device, when you're trying to electronically sign something on a mobile device, if we can analyze the PDF, understand the semantic meaning of what you're trying to do and make it more intuitive, more fun, I think we're delivering value. So uh, definitely try it out. I'd love to get your feedback. All right. Last question. You know, first, I do want to come. John Murphy, wish him the best of luck. Fabulous CFO. Be missed because he's just great. Uh, you did reference only once, though, the partnerships with Microsoft and ServiceNow. You called them out. But these are now key, right? It's almost a triad. You, you, over and over again, you three win a lot of business together. Well, we were one of the first companies to say that, you know, when we think about cloud-based approaches, we really have to have a, a preferred partner. And Microsoft was that preferred partner. We had the shared vision of saying, how do they support Azure? They have Dynamics. Uh, we have the Experience Cloud that's clearly the leading platform. And together, if we can make sure that we are doing the integration, that's delivering great value to customers. Uh, so Satya is doing an incredible job there. Same thing with Bill. And Bill, Satya, and I have actually created relationships even when Bill was at uh, SAP. And so with ServiceNow, as they are completely automating what you can do within an enterprise, they still need the ability to, what's the core content management? Well, that's Adobe. What's the core signing? Well, that's Adobe. And you know what they have done is this incredible developer uh, environment to create these applications. So... When you can come together on behalf of the customer and find a way in which both of us can monetize it, you know, those are the lasting relationships uh, that, uh, you know, really change the world. Well, they matter tremendously. I want to congratulate you, Shantanu, for just a terrific quarter and for another learning experience because we all do learn that we are creative. And uh, every year there's someone new and there are kids in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth that realize they're creative and that's empowering. Thank you for empowering Maybe billions of people. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, David, for having me. David, it's yours. Thank you, Jim. Uh, great to have him. Let's get over to Rick Santelli now. We've got breaking economic data. And, of course, we'll also get a bond report. Rick? Yes, David. The M-A-R-K-I-T market PMIs are out. These are March preliminaries, which means in two weeks we'll get the finals. 59.0 is the headline manufacturing PMI. And just to give you an idea, uh, the... Post-COVID high was actually January at 59.2, so very close. The remaining two, very nice, strong numbers. 60.0, 60.0 on services. How does that compare? Well, that would be a post-COVID high if it sticks. And 59.1 is the composite. That would also be a post-COVID high if it sticks. Uh, excuse me, I take that back. 59.5. Last look was the high, so this is very close. Very solid numbers. Now, let's get to the market. And if we look at what's going on in 10 years in a 24-hour chart, you could definitely see it's, it looks mostly like it's climbing. And a two-day chart gives you an idea that it really started to climb when it was above yesterday's low yields. And if you go all the way back to Friday, you can see we reversed a bit. And a month-to-day chart, well, it's a solid month. As a matter of fact, we're up 25 basis points in yield for the month of March. Let's call it a quarter point tightening, shall we? And much of the retracements that we had didn't last very long. And I think that's key because that really has been the pattern since the end of February's Fed meeting where we continue to see rates climb. And if we switch gears a bit and look at the dollar index, once again, it may be the area that gives you the most information if you're investing in U.S. markets. Why? 
because it's the only throttle that I see that's giving us a clue as to how we're supposed to interpret Janet Yellen and, of course, Chairman Jay Powell. It really is strong. Now, as you look at a one uh, 24-hour chart of the dollar index, it looks mostly sideways. Whoa. But then when you go to a one-week chart, no way is it sideways. As a matter of fact, that one-week chart, we're up over a cent, up 1.23% just in five trading days. And if you open the chart up to early November, if we close here, this will basically be a four-plus-month high in the dollar index. So we want to see how that testimony on the Senate side goes today, see how much more horsepower all this stimulus is going to give that dollar index. Jim and David, back to you. Rick Santelli. We're getting some breaking news now on tomorrow's big hearing uh, involving technology CEOs. Let's get to Elon Moy. She has the latest for us. Elon. Well, David, the focus of that hearing tomorrow is on misinformation on social media. And in their written testimony, the tech CEOs outline the steps they've taken to combat it so far. But they also acknowledge that more can be done. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg argues that the content on the platform is divisive because society is divided. He says his company has removed 12 million pieces of misinformation around COVID and 150 million false claims surrounding the election. Facebook has also tripled the number of people working in safety and security to 35,000 since the last election. Now, on the critical question of Section 230, the tech liability shield, he says that Facebook is open to reform. He said that liability protections should be contingent on having a system to remove harmful and hateful posts. Now, he says platforms should not be held liable if a particular piece of content evades its detection. That would be impractical for platforms with billions of posts per day, but that they should be required to have adequate systems in place to address unlawful content. As for Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, he outlined areas where his company and the industry can improve transparency, procedural fairness, algorithmic choice and privacy. But he said that right now there is a trust deficit, not just on social media, but across institutions. He said our efforts to combat misinformation must be linked to earning trust. Without trust, we know the public will continue to question our enforcement actions. Guys, meanwhile, uh, as for Google's CEO, Senator Pichai, what he said is that he reiterated his opposition to repealing or reforming Section 230. He warned that there could be unintended consequences, including both harming free expression and the ability of platforms to take responsible action to protect their users in the face of constantly evolving challenges. David, that's going to make for some fascinating exchanges with lawmakers tomorrow. We'll be covering it closely, of course. And Elon, appreciate you bringing that testimony to us. Thank you. Later on Squawk Alley, uh, Pat Gelsinger. We talked a lot about Intel at the beginning of the show. He's going to join the crew on Squawk Alley. Lots of questions. Be interested in hearing those answers. We'll take a quick break. We're right back. We were talking a lot during the break, Jim, but uh, I don't think you told me what you're doing for stop trading. Well, so David, like everybody yes. else, I'm waiting. Let's what do you talk got? about Adobe. Now, look, David, people don't like tech today because interest rates are ticking up. So it's a wrong fang day. OK. Wrong fang. Diamondback Energy is the leader. And the other fang that we uh, so uh, effectively loved at one point uh, is uh, all falling short. And that's because uh, oil's going up and uh, rates are going up, and when that happens, people buy the industrials and they sell all these great tech stocks like Fang. And this is a good for whoever doing an ETF. You do a Fang versus Fang and you go make $50 million and I make nothing. 
Fang versus Fang. It's right? okay. This yeah, Fang, like Spy versus Spy when you're growing up with, when you went to the dentist. So anyway, I pointed out. Thank you. What a show. Uh, yeah, interesting show. You want a hot stock that fits this theme? Sure. I have Nucor on tonight. You do? Yes. Okay. Largest steel maker in yes. this country. And it is doing incredibly well on every single line. And then, David, a Reddit Wall Street bets extravaganza. Tell me. UWM. This, and this is, UWM is the company that people want almost as much as GameStop. And uh, it's a wholesale lender. Boring. Yeah, but we might make some fireworks about it. You will. Yes, that's this what is a company they want. United well, because it's mortgage. got a big short position, and they're okay. going up against Rocket. And well, you know what, David? We're going to get to the bottom of it. You will. You promise me that? Oh no, I. I You're going to ask I'm, those those tough, really I, tough questions. Actually, I have a lot of tough questions. Do you? Yeah. Oh, the guy's going to probably cancel now. No, he's not. No, because they're. Now, look, they are making it so that if you do business with Rocket, you can't do business with them. No and I want to see whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. All right. You got wow. my attention. What a show. Yeah. How, how's uh, Intel doing there? It's, it's, it's hanging in there. It's up oh, a little yeah? bit. Uh, we'll be doing it again tomorrow, Jim. So rest up. Rest up? Yeah, rest that's up. That's nonsense. I know. You never rest. You need rest to rest. Up. I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, I know. And then you wake up two hours later. Yeah. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.